Welcome everyone to the Absolute Geek Podcast. I am Matt. I am Snide Kyle. And tonight with us we have two very special guests. Uh, one, I want to introduce the Absolute Geek Podcast station to Adonis. Hi. Hello. I'm Adonis. Thanks for joining us tonight, Adonis. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And uh, we have a, another special guest tonight. We are kicking it off with uh, creator and owner of Cosmic Times, Mr. Mark Piero. How are you doing tonight, Mark? How's it going? It's Martin, actually. Martin. Martin. Oh, okay. My brother's name is Mark. It used to okay. get mixed up all the time, so don't worry about it. Okay. See, I think our email was written Martin, but that's cool. Or Mark. 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 I mean, I'm sorry, Mark. Mark. I'm all messed up now. <laughs> I'm but, just uh, happy to be here. You can call me whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us tonight, and uh, glad we could sit down with you. Awesome. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, Cos uh, Cosmic Times. Okay, cool. Cosmic Times is a small press publishing small press publishing company I have here in South Florida. We've been at it for about 11 years now. Actually, we have been at it uh, since 2008, I guess. So that's, uh, that's 11 years, yeah. The... Um, we started off just publishing my own stuff, thought it was kind of fun, just something to do uh, while I was working my day job. We'll talk about that later if you want to. But uh, ultimately, I, um, I, I, started, I started publishing my own stuff. It took off very well, and I, I kind of did the math, and the only way to make it work was to scale up quickly. So I decided to bring other people on board, and things kind of snowballed. I worked with a lot of great folks uh, in 2000. 2015, we got picked up by Diamond, so we're in the previous catalog, and that kind of exploded things for us. And I always tell people the uh, the worst thing that can happen to you is success. It's the most financially crippling thing you're ever going to have happen to you because now you have to pay bills and you have to do things. Um, so that that's that's kind of what, what what I am. We started. We just we published comics. We published comics I want to publish. Um, uh, maybe that's selfish. I don't know, but it's the kind of comics I want to see. So that's what I put out there. So, so now it's it's kind of my understanding. Um, after doing a little bit of research, you you started in kind of in this industry at the age of twelve, uh, publishing your own kind of fan magazine, uh, oh, you, Metropolis you, you Times. Did, you, you did do a little digging. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And you, yeah. Uh, what? So what kind of? And you later on took it and and turned it into Cosmic Times. So what kind of yeah. drove you to? I understand that you you left the industry for a little bit and and dabbled in in some other entertainment. Um, yeah. Yeah. work and then decided to come back so what kind of dro drove you back to the the business and wanted to do comic publishing wow, i think I you asked him five questions you're gonna have to research man you have to break it apart and no i, I part one a part two b you're gonna have to go through it i'll, I'll speak quickly as i as i can well I, I, again I, I think like probably everybody else in this in this cube of uh, boxes here in this brady bunch box we have going on here uh, i i read comics as a kid when i when i was real little you know i got into comics i'm, I'm 47 now I'm, I'm not ashamed to say i started reading micronauts comics uh, uh star wars comics were huge when i was a kid um and I was in all that. I really like the licensed property stuff, but I like Fantastic Four and things like that. Um, but I was, and I grew up watching Doctor Who on PBS. So I'm walking through what was called the farmer's market. It was like a little small, small, tiny mall we had here. Uh, it's since been demolished, but I was walking through it one day and there's a little comic shop and they had a Doctor Who comic and it was $1.25. At the time, comics were 60 cents. And I was like, what the hell is this? $1.25 for a comic? That's incredible. So I went inside. I had to have it. 
and I had to borrow money from my grandmother because back then a dollar twenty five was a lot. Um, I bought it and I, and, and I it was so expensive I had to take care of it. So I talked to the guy that owned the place. He talked talked to me about collecting comics, bags and boards and all that. And I got hooked. And then you know, so the I was I was in the comics heavily for years and years. And at the time, I knew I always wanted to do something in comics. I loved comics so much. And so I decided I wanted to do a fanzine. Fanzines were kind of a thing back in the 80s. I don't know if you guys remember. And this would have been 84. Well, just before the crisis. So 84, 85-ish. Um, the crisis. Like it was an actual historical event. I reference it. The, um, but so I, and I, I put a fanzine together. And I called it Metropolis Times because the comic store was called Metropolis Comics. And that's when he sat me down and goes, listen, Martin, I'm not the only comic store in town. What? <laughs> so I, I had to re, I couldn't call it Metropolis Comics and sell it at other people's comic stores. So I renamed it Cosmic Times. Uh, we were going to call it Comic Times, but I thought that was too cheesy. So we went with Cosmic Times. And I, I published it in, uh, you know, you, you take it, you get a photocopy, you staple it. And we, we had it in all the local shops here in South Florida. Plus, we were shipping them all over the place. It was actually something that started growing. Uh, I have another uh, story about an artist. I'll get to that in a minute from back then. But then, you know, the worst thing that could happen to a comic book nerd was I discovered girls. And that really stopped to my comic collecting for a while. Kind of got out of it. Um, I ended up going, as we're talking just before we started rolling, to the Art Institute uh, of, of Fort Lauderdale. I originally was going to go to the Ringling School of Art. I don't know if you heard about it. It's in uh, Sarasota. And they had an animation program, hand-drawn animation. Dodged a bullet not getting into that because, you know, clearly that's... I would be out of work right now. <laughs> so I, uh, I went to the Art Institute and I studied film, or t it was called the, the, the it was called music and television production. Or, and we, everybody thought that, or, or it was called music and video production. Everybody thought we're making music videos. No, it was just music production and television production. And so I did that, got out, um, ended up working in film, uh, on stage. Um, my, la my last creative job was I was cutting infomercials. That was uh, apparently South Florida is the capital of infomercials, and there was a lot of work for the company I was working with, and we were just we were cranking on infomercials and all kinds of direct response things. Did you, you like know. the vacuum sealer commercial? Uh, we didn't do the vacuum sealer, but we did do a. I guess I can talk about it now. We sold a computer that didn't work. We could never get it to work when we had it on set, but it was the best computer ever. So we always just shot it till you never saw the monitor because it wouldn't turn on. It just. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't believe what I see on TV, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did that, and then I that that they closed shop. 9/11 um, happened, uh, and you know the business kind of shrunk a little bit. So I ended up getting a job working in IT at a law firm. As much as it was a great paying job, everybody at the firm was amazing. IT at a law firm is not your most creative job in the world. So I was left thinking, what am I going to do? And I had this concept for a television pitch from back when I worked in television and stuff, or at least was studying it. And I said, I can turn that into a comic. And I went to Megacon in Orlando, um, sat on a few panels. Uh, Jeffrey Kaufman, who I always say is uh, uh, one of the people who got me interested in making comics. He does big city comics. And uh, Christian Baranek, um, who was a dude at the time, um, convinced me you know, that I should uh, try to make comics. So... I did. And like, like I just said, it was, we had a huge success. Our, my first book I put out was called Arthur the Legend Continues. It was based on an original television pilot for King Arthur in a post-apocalyptic uh, England. And uh, the book sold like hotcakes. And like I said, I had to scale up quickly to, to justify the cost of it all. And here we are now. See, I answered all your questions. There you go. You did. 
in fantastic <laughs> fashion too. That's awesome. That is awesome. So it's my understanding that a lot of your, well, I know you have at least one book that is uh, you're doing crowdfunding for from blood. Yes. I've tried, I've tried Kickstarter twice before uh, and it's, it's always been a struggle. It's um, kind of a hit or miss. We do. Okay. We, we get funded, but never, you know, greatly. So what are, um, so what are some challenges you've run into with that and trying to crowdfund that, that book? Uh, well, this with from blood, the challenges I'm, I'm finding. I just had today. We were doing pretty good. Things started picking up, and I get a message: somebody uh, canceled their pledge. Like, why would you? Why would you pledge and then cancel it so quickly? Um, it's kind of heartbreaking when you think, "Ah, oh, we're moving up," and then you look at the, the, the this little chart you have on on Kickstarter. Now it's it's pointing down again, and I'm like. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's much more of an emotional struggle than anything else, uh, just trying to get through it. But um, the reason I chose to go with Kickstarter nowadays, it seems that's the way to find an audience. Uh, being in Diamond is not a guarantee audience anymore. My, um, my sales in Diamond, every book I put out always seem to slide a little further down. Uh, not just you know, from first to second issue, because that's always a drop. But just each series just never quite seemed to do as well as the series before it. And think, what do you think that is? Do you think it's because of just the the comic industry as a whole of like the speculators and the new hot thing and everything's so extra flashy now and in and out? Do you think it's harder for the smaller guy to to push its way through just to get a little bit of light? Or what what does your theory? Oh, I, will, I will say it is it is very. It is very in and out right now. That is that is definitely for, for sure. You can see that with the, the big two with them rebooting, you know, almost weekly, it feels like now. The um, For me, I, I know that as over the last few years, I work closely with my local retailer. Comic shops are closing. There's not as many as there were five years ago when I got in the Diamond. You know, and I, I just sent out an email about the, we have a, a retailer tier on our From Blood Kickstarter. And I sent out an email and 50 of the emails bounced back is no longer no longer in service. And these are all retailers I used to email on a regular basis. So that's, that's shrunk the market. I think that um, Marvel is, you know, I think I have it here somewhere. Marvel is stifling the industry with the, the like the Marvel's previews. It's massive. They're putting yeah. so many books that they're, they're strangling the retailers where they can't afford to, yeah, yeah, Marvel and DC have their own catalog, but in previews, you have the front part of the catalog, which is IDW, Boom, for some reason, um, Dark Horse, and uh, Image. Then you have the back of the catalog where the rest of us live. And with Marvel and DC, or the Marvel mostly putting out so many titles, retailers just can't afford to even order from the back of the catalog anymore. Hmm. Like if, you, if you look at the numbers, because I, I follow I follow comic numbers very closely because well, that's how I make my living, and um, you, you just see how low some of, some of the Marvel and DC titles are hitting, and that's just pushing everybody further and further down, in my opinion. Ad Adonis? Hi, I'm Adonis. Um, question. You, you don't have to raise your hand here, Adonis. Feel free to just jump in whenever you want. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make sure that you, we were all on the same page. Um, so when it comes to, when it comes to that the, the the physical comics being suffering from the decline and everything like that. If you're if you're anywhere outside of the big two, do you think that's because people are, are veering away from the physical comics versus the the digital comics? Is should we are are, are physical comics only for collecting and people actually read the digital versions? Um, 
I, you know, I, I, would, I would love to say that digital was the key, but we have half of our titles on comicsology, okay. and it's, it's hardly, it's hardly a drop in the bucket versus what the amount of money we made with Diamond versus what we're making with comicsology is almost, it's night and day. The pennies on Comicsology, where it was, you know, at least a couple thousand each book on Diamond. Uh, it's funny we talk. We're talking about this. I was talking about this online on Facebook today. Uh, when I got in the industry, which was, I guess, eleven years ago now, everybody was saying, "If we don't get kids in the comics, the industry is going to die. We got to get kids in the comics so that they can grow up and be the next group that's buying comics." Because we're all going to. I'm forty-seven. I'm aging out of comics. People are aging out of comics. Yeah. And. Um, that next audience doesn't seem to be coming up. They're, they're buying comics, but they're buying the scholastic graphic novels. They're buying the stuff they sell at Target, and they're not buying those, you know, obviously overpriced three ninety nine floppies from the comic store, at, at, as we used to do, or we still do. I still do. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I buy way too many. I had a stack this big, and I'm going to read like four of them. I don't know why. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do I? I have long boxes of books I've never read and probably never will. I had a book of mine today, and I was like, I don't even know why it's in here, but I still bought it. Yeah. I, I, I love Star Wars. I buy the Star Wars series. I've read the first four issues. They're on 74 now or 73, and I've only read four of them, but I have them all. And all the variants from that first issue, I have them all because – because again, as kids, we were programmed for that, and I don't think the next generation has been programmed for it as they should have been. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep raising my hand. Uh, Point to you, to like, hey, you go, yeah, uh, you sir, right there. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that is definitely a, a big part of it—the passing on that uh, that 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 need to to collect these things, to read them, to to dive into these worlds that these these people create. Um, I know for me, my brother's 10 years younger than me and the comic book store that was by my house that's still there and still kind of booming. They have events and things like that. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the audience isn't as big as it used to be, but the comic book store is Tate's Comics. Um, and uh, Tate's Comics down here, you mean? Yeah, that's that's okay, yeah. I grew up with. Um, and uh, I would take him there and I would show him all the comics that I like, all the characters I like. We'd sit there and watch the cartoons and things like that. And now my brother, <laughs> he plays for the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons. Hey. And he, uh, we, he came here when they played the Cardinals and I took him to a comic book shop out here and he was just like, man, it's been a while, but I still love this stuff. He's looking at figures to collect and things like that. Um, comics and stuff like that, and I, I was just like, man, it feels like how it was a long time ago. Except you're a lot bigger now. <laughs> and my, I, I have a daughter, and she's nine months, and basically, I'm doing the same thing. I'm showing her the cartoons that I love. I'm showing her the cartoons that I grew up on, and I'm showing her the comics that she can play with right now. <laughs> the preview books. Yeah, the um, that, that that's great. You know, it's up to obviously the current readers to pass it on to the next generation. But yeah. uh, and but you, you mentioned your brother with the statues and and the figures and stuff. That's a thing too that wasn't there when, when at least when I started getting the comics, there wasn't a lot competing for your comic book dollars. It was you had two dollars, I can buy two comics. You know, I'm, I'm I'm doing good. Maybe three if they're you know, but. Now, you know, there's action figures and movies and video games and all this stuff. If you like, if you like Spider-Man, oh, you yeah. can get your Spider-Man fixed without ever touching a Spider-Man comic. Yep. Is it a problem? Is it a good thing? I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Is it up to the comic shops to make sure these books get into um, – you know, I'm going to bring up a 
topic. The, sorry about comics. When uh, whenever a DC movie comes out, exception of the Joker, whenever they always put banners on the comic books, Wonder Woman's opening in two months or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, we're buying the books. We know Wonder Woman. You don't need to tell us Wonder Woman's opening. In you two can't months. tell everybody else. Tell, tell the audience to come buy the comics instead of telling the people to buy the comics to go see the movie. We're already going to see it. It's a given. You know, I'm, I'm going to be there opening day, giving them my money. But if the movie theaters would just do, hey, if you like Wonder Woman, go to your comic shop and buy the current issue. I don't know. Should should Kevin Smith like bring that back since he's rebooting uh, Jay and Silent Bob? Should he reboot people's idea of what a comic is? Why these cool characters that we're sitting up there forcing in our faces um, all the time in the theaters, where they came from, why they exist? I'm with you on that. It's like uh, whenever whenever you, you you watch a movie based on a book, they don't they don't marginalize like Stephen King. They didn't marginalize Stephen King with it. You go to the bookstores, a big it display. Everything's all tied together. Yep. Uh, but there's a disconnect between comics and and the movies, and it's really bizarre. I will say, I don't even remember when uh, the Dark Knight came out. Uh, the yep. wherever the last the last Dark Knight Rises, the last Christian Bale one. Yep. We went to the comic shop. Commissioner Gordon was Batman. It wasn't even like if you saw the Batman and you went in the comic shop, you could read something that was anything like the movie you just saw. So yeah. I don't know, maybe Kevin Feige needs to get involved in the comics a little more and make them more in line with the movies. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a that's a big topic that as a small press publisher I have no control over. Yeah. I wish I did. Don't we all? Yeah. Do you think another reason people are that you see a decline in sales and you see it harder for a next generation of people to come in is because we're living in a world now where, you know, we don't collect CDs anymore. We don't collect, nothing is collected. Everything is kind of digital. So people don't like people we're living in a world now where we're collecting something is clutter and people don't like to collect because it's clutters up. People like to be minimal. Do you think that might be part of it? I would say most definitely. Yes. As I have, you know, 40 long boxes in the corner of my son's bedroom. <laughs> the, uh, hey, he doesn't live here right now. So it's okay. The, uh, but I'll tell you tonight, we went to go watch uh, show my daughter, my daughter's uh, 12. We went to go show a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which I love the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. It was, mm-hmm. it was in my wheelhouse in 1991. So we went to show it to her and it wasn't on any of the streaming services. And I'm like, we've got to go find the DVD. So I had to go to behind the couch to the, all the all the, the boxes of DVDs, just trying to find this DVD. And it is it is like it's like sometimes I think why do we still have all these DVDs? But when it happens, you know, you, have, you got to watch Robin Hood. You need to have the DVD. But it it, it, it was interesting that because I'm just kind of used now to that, and I haven't. I don't think I bought a Blu-ray in two years. I haven't bought a CD in at least five or six. Uh, I'm, I'm in that group that doesn't that that gets digital music and gets digital movies and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I still want you to buy my physical comics. Exactly. <laughs> Where can they go to find your physical comics? CosmicTimes.net. Somebody has the .com and won't give it up for unless I pay them thousands of dollars. So oh, it sucks. <laughs> but that's the thing too. I, I told you I named the fanzine Cosmic Times when I was 14 or 13, um, and since I named it to now, it turns out Cosmic Time became a thing. Like when I named it, it wasn't a thing. Cosmic time is what NASA uses to track from the Big Bang to now. That's what they call tracking cosmic time. So I set up my website, everything going. And when you Google it, I'm like the third one that comes up. All these NASA sites come up when you type in cosmic time. <laughs> well, somebody told me that, but 
That SEO is awesome. <laughs> Cosmictimes.net. That's that. That's where I keep. I put everything on there. And then, of course, all the social media. Everybody's got to be on social media these days. So, what are the kind of titles that they can find? Well, I'll tell you, uh, we're talking about the kids, and with the exception of From Blood, From Blood is not an all-ages book. We did a shift uh, a couple years ago to try to do a little more all-ages stuff. We have a book called Deep Space Tragedy about a teenage robot rock band on the run. This, we kind of target toward that kind of tween crowd. We have a book called Sugar Boogers, not Booger Sugar, but Sugar Boogers about um, gingerbread ninjas that we, we, we target toward kids. And we do a lot of outreach with uh, the Girl Scouts and schools here, and we get we get a pretty good feedback uh, from the kids. Do they ever come back and buy our the second issue? But uh, we try. We try to. You know, we're we're doing our we're doing our part to try to get kids in the comics, and and we do okay with the with the. Um, but even at comic cons, our sales are are not what they used to be. Everything is hard out there for a comic pimp, man. It really is. Was <laughs> that for a five year old reference? Uh, I think a lot of that with the comic cons, though, is I. It's another thing is I think it's it's gone in such a different direction. It's okay. hard. You don't have those hard comic based people. There, there's a lot less going there now. Yeah, well, you, the shows are more attended than they've ever been. But again, they're not there for me. Yeah. Uh, we used to do megacon. A lot of comic artists and yeah. writers and publications either, though. Well, I, I found that things really started to shrink for me uh, when the print jockeys kind of took over. You had a lot, you know, when, when I first started out, it was uh, guys making their own comics, guys selling old comics, and then artists trying to sell original art. And the, the print thing really wasn't a thing until about maybe two or three years after I got into it. And that really started to affect independent publishers, sales. That end, there's a lot more independent guys than there were when I started out. Uh, companies like Kablam and the print on, direct, print on demand stuff makes it a lot easier and a lot more affordable to publish comics. So, it's crowded. It's crowded in my part. Then you have all the artists. And the worst thing is the celebrities. I love the celebrities, but we were at MegaCon. A couple, uh, the last MegaCon we did, and Tim Curry was there right after he had a stroke. He was in no condition to see people. But it was $150 to get a photograph and an autograph of this, with this guy. Right. They were kind of just propping up in a wheelchair. I felt bad for him. The, um, but that sucks all the money out of room. The cons are getting so expensive to attend. Yep. Like 60 bucks to get in. 150 for this autograph, uh, $50 for that, $20 for a print. By the time they filter themselves to, to people like me, who they don't even know what our property is, it's kind of, I know I'm sounding all sad and depressed. This is supposed to be positive. Yeah. It's it good is. to see both sides of the fence. Yeah. It's a different business than it was when I started. Hey, you know what sells? Yeah. Pulling at the heartstrings. Yeah. It sells. It's really hard, guys. Please support my. Only thirty-three please. cents a day. You too can be part yeah. of this comic book. <laughs> um, what you were saying earlier, Martin, about uh, uh, having um, uh, you know a coalition, if you will, with the Girl Scouts and things like that. Is there are there any like organizations that help um, get publishers and people that have that industry um, experience and, and or link um, to go to like schools and things like that to visit kids and talk to them about what comics are and why they're cool, they're still cool, things like that. Where do you think these movies came from, so on and so forth? 
that's actually what we do with the Girl Scouts. And some, and we did it with the Boy Scouts and a few other organizations. The schools, man, it's a hard nut to crack. They don't take, um, they don't take kind of what we do that seriously. Even though the books like Smile and, and those other, you know, thicker graphic novels sell well to the to the students mm -hmm. that are published by Scholastic. Somebody's got some uh, some money in some pockets there. The, um, it's it's really hard. Books from fourth grade from them. Well, yeah, we all weekly reader and Scholastic. Yeah. The, um, but it's hard. It's hard to get in in, in with the schools. Uh, it's just, it, there's these walls and barriers and comics. I think the '90s for how how great they were for the business and the money that made really hurt the perception of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, to because people think of comics as not even being for kids anymore. And I'll be honest with you. I look at some of these Marvel books, like when when they rebooted Spider-Man with the brand new day, I was like, I don't think I want my daughter reading what's in this book. It was it was almost inappropriate for, for kids. And I was thinking, this is Spider-Man. Mm. Spider-Man ever be inappropriate for kids to read? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know if you remember when they did the brand new day, there was like the third or fourth issue, Spider-Man got drunk at a wedding and woke <laughs> up with a woman in his bed. I'm like, I don't think my daughter needs to read that. I don't think she needs to see that, you know? Matt, was that last week we put that on... Uh... One of the worst storylines yet. Yeah, oh, the brand new yeah. yeah, we did last week. We had done you know bad storyline, comic storylines that we didn't like, and I think that was the one that was all in agreement. Yeah, you know, that was the thing. That I, I was I was really reading comics at that time, and Civil War was such a great you know it was a, it was it was a milestone for Marvel, and this is what they did with Spider Man right after Civil War, and I was like, ah, right. So it wasn't appealing. I don't know. I don't know. I did. I'm not going to, you know, dance lots of great writers. Wonderful guy. <laughs> don't, don't hate me on Twitter. Dance lot. You know. So kind of going back a little bit to the, the crowd, crowdfunding thing, would you recommend uh, kids today who are maybe trying to self publish or publish, go the crowdfunding route? Or would you think that maybe trying to seek out an independent publisher would be a better option? Hmm. Um, I will say that crowdfunding has made it easier for folks. Um, obviously, as an independent publisher, I'd love you to bring your books to me. Uh, but the uh, if you have an idea and you have you have a completed project, Kickstarter is the place to go. Hmm. But it, it isn't. It's hard, man. Kickstarter is not as easy as you might think it is. It's 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 uh, you have to have all your ducks lined up, and I didn't quite have them all lined up this time. And the uh, just just the the animal, the machine that's Kickstarter. I know several guys like Joel. Joel Rodriguez just wrapped up his Dust County Chronicles book. He did really well on it, um, but he was working that Kickstarter so hard it was taking up all of his time. So it's kind of a balance. If you're a creator, it's hard to create when you're having to, to run these Kickstarters. But I definitely think it's a way to find an audience. We're finding new people through Kickstarter that we never had before. Um, when we were in Diamond, 60% of our sales come from the state of Florida because that's where I live. Um, and that's the stores that I know and support me. So but with Kickstarter, it's, it's a nice national platform that people can discover you on. So I, I'm, that's why we went back to Kickstarter after being in Diamond just to try to find that new audience because we're seeing so many people have success with Kickstarter. You know, we felt, we felt this is a, a way to, to kind of capture that audience. And I think for somebody who doesn't need, you know, if they're doing it themselves, you're a writer, artist, and you're doing it yourself, Kickstarter would be great. But the problem is our Kickstarter were $3,500 because we have to pay to print the books. we got to pay the, the colorist the color of the books. So we have a lot of other costs that if you did it yourself, you wouldn't have. So there's that. So if, if someone came to you as a writer with a, a book in mind, do you help connect them to an artist? Like do you guys have artists readily available or do you recommend they, they reach out like 
deviant art or try to hook up with an artist before making that pitch to, to someone in your, your position? It's always better to have an artist in my mind. Um, we're actually talking to some guys now. It's our second book from Finland. For some reason, people from Finland are attracted to Cosmic Times. I don't know. Uh, we're talking to this other company that has Great, a book Finland. from Finland. <laughs> yeah. We love Finland. The, um, but they, 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 they pitched a book to us, and it's, it's partially done. I'm like, okay, this, this is something I can work with. Um, would I take an artist and a, and a writer and put them together? Of course. But at the end of the day, I'm a writer. And uh, my, my creative director, Zach Bassett's a writer. So, you know, we're not really in the market for writers so much as we are completed projects and artists. So that's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the curse of being a writer in comics. It's, hard, it's harder out there for a writer than it is for an artist to find work or to, to get noticed because without the art, you know, it's a visual medium. Um, but yeah, so I, for, for Cosmic Times, I prefer something that's a little more together. You have a team together. Um, am I against doing it? No. But it would have to be really something spectacular because if I'm going to incur the cost of an artist, it's got to be something that I know I can cash in on. Yeah. I know that sounds that sounds cold and capitalistic, but whatever. You know, money is money. <laughs> so we had a question from someone in our chat who wanted to know what's the best way to move your product to the forefront and sell more and move more units. Uh, in in respect of just like comic cons or in respect because it's, it's I think with comics just like multiple markets as far as in diamond got to buy the ads in the catalog and those are super expensive I'm still paying off that some of that debt the um, it's kind of what you have to do if you want to get noticed um, as far as comic cons signage I don't know I don't know I wouldn't even know uh, to get noticed at a comic con that's something everybody struggles with yeah. uh, and it depends on where you're trying to move your product if you're, if you're if you're not in diamond good luck getting a retailer to even take a look at your book even when we're in the in the catalog we've had several retailers tell us we just don't order independence so that's hard yeah. that the question I don't know if that was quite the there's also another question in there that's he, he said, why don't you go through Amazon? You can make the money. You're cutting out middlemen. That seems like something to go do. Is it, what do you think going through Amazon? You think that would be too hard? What, what I never even heard of that until tonight. So Amazon does self I know they do a lot of novelists. And I think there is an option for comics on there where they do a print on demand service. But I think they take a hell of a cut out of it. You, you would have to charge a, see, that's the problem nowadays too, with some of these printers and whatnot, you have to charge such a high cover price. Unless you did, unless you crowdfunded it to get mm -hmm. some of that cost offset, the um, I think Amazon takes a pretty big uh, slice of that when it comes to uh, selling through them. It's a way to get noticed. That's true. And I know several. Uh, my my son's actually working on a poetry book. He's going to publish through Amazon, but he understands he's not going to make any real money on it. That's that's kind of the thing. Um, we've looked. We have we've had one of our books on Amazon because one of the libraries had to had to be on Amazon for them to carry it. Mm. Weird weird. So we put one of our books on Amazon. We sold to the library, haven't moved a single unit since. So you know, there's that. So where can they find your Kickstarter? And what what is that? Like, go through that one more time for us, because I think I find it interesting. Well, the Kickstarter, uh, I should, I'll let you know. Okay, it originally was a two-issue black and white miniseries mm -hmm. that my creative director, Zach Brassett, brought to me. He had the first issue done. And he's like, hey, I got, because right before, right when things started snowballing, just before we got into Diamond, he's like, hey, I got this idea. My buddy James and I have done almost the entire first issue. Uh, it's called From Blood. It's about a mental patient who's like tearing people in half. He's like super strong. Like, eh, 
I don't think we want to want to carry a book that's called From Blood and it's like super violent. Uh, some a year or two went by and he pitched it to me again and he said, no, really take a look at it. And the story had heart to it and it had a lot of um, a lot of feeling, a lot of emotion to it that I didn't expect. I thought it was just going to be this ultra violent kind of you know Punisher in a mental hospital, but it, it had a lot more. To, or actually, it's kind of a Hulk in the mental hospital when you think about it. But it had a lot of heart to it. And he had the first issue done, and it, it, it kind of just ended, and they had no idea where the story was going to go. So Zach and I sat down with the outline that he and James had, and I'm a huge fan of Richard Donner films. I think Lethal Weapon, the three, the four Lethal Weapon films are great. It's like, it's popcorn cinema, and I love it. Yeah. And I did Maverick and Superman and all that good stuff. The um, So I said, I want to write a comic like a Richard Donner film that just starts, and it just kind of keeps going and has these high, over-the-top action sequences and so Zach and I sat down and we hammered out what, what would have been the second issue of the series. And we had put it out black and white back years ago. But just then we took off with Diamond. And so the book never really found an audience. and never did anything with it. It kind of got swept under the rug. So I was talking, what can we crowdfund? We want to try something with Kickstarter. So we took the black and white pages we had and now we're having them colorized. We're kind of tweaking things out a little bit. And we're putting it out as a complete graphic novel. So it's an 80-page graphic novel, uh, pretty much about a mental patient who has superhuman strength, is in invincible, and he has no idea who he is or where he's from. And, he, and the psychologist starts working with him, and then they, they take off. They're on the run, trying to find out his past. Some great action sequences in there that uh, that I just kind of ripped off from a Richard. Not ripped off. I, it was inspired by the kind of stuff Richard Donner would do. And um, yeah, we, we put together what I think is a really good story um, that kind of, it's not a kid's book, unfortunately. So you limit your appeal with that, but it's definitely a, a fun, a fun ride. Uh, we're kickstarting it, trying to offset the, the cost of the colorist and to, co to cover the printing. And then we're also give Zach and James a, a few shekels if we can make it out, out of the project. And then once we finish with that, we're going to take it to Diamond and then try to distribute it nationally. So do you have different tiers that a, someone can do and then with what do you oh, yeah, get that that's like the whole thing with with you know with uh crowdfunding you have the you have the digital tier that's a lower price and then you mm -hmm. have the regular edition then we, ha we have a foil edition then you can get an original sketch by the artist we have original pages for sale and then our final tiers our toner dollar tier if you're a retailer we'll, we'll do um 25 copies for $200 and I'll have the cover exclusively done for your store. We have a variant cover by Larry Watts who did um, Robin Hood for Zenoscope and a lot of other books. And we'll put the store's logo on the main character's t-shirt as he's uh, on the cover. So the next week we're going to be trying to reach out to a lot of retailers and see if we can get a few of them on board. Um, this would be, and they, they would have the book the same month it's in Diamond. So they would, they would have it in advance of the actual national distribution for it. Nice. Where can where can our audience go to find to find this? Oh, uh, you go to my website cosmotimes.net. Oh, you, right you can just yeah, it's right on the homepage. We have a if you go to cosmotimes.net slash from blood, it's right there. Or just search for from blood on um, on uh, Kickstarter, and that, that's that's a that's a way to find it. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I know. Um, kind of speaking on the. Um, I'm probably jumping pretty far back, but I, I, like we were talking about before uh, we started, I I love comics and things like that, and I love watching cartoons. And I wanted to uh, be I wanted to be a comic book artist uh, when I was when I was a kid. And you know, I 
listening to how you got to where you are and the, the, the journey that you went to, the journey that mostly everybody that wants to get into the industry goes through. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's, it sheds a, a really important light. Um, so people have a better grasp as to what, what is expected of them. Um, but it also, it also to me tells me, okay, what's missing? How can we do this better? How can we do this more efficiently, um, to get to, to, I think to get more people involved in, in the, in the realm of comics, um, and interact it. Um, because you know, that's, that's how everything is now. Everybody wants to be involved and say, Oh, I was a part of this. Um, it, are you familiar with manga? Of course. Yeah. My oh. daughter's reading Sailor Moon now. Go figure. Don't read my comics. Never read one of mine, but she's reading Sailor Moon like crazy. <laughs> awesome. I used to watch that cartoon all of the time. There you go. Um, so what's the deal with the tuxedo guy? I don't get it. <laughs> Darian. <laughs> um, the idea of, of like the Shonen jumps and things like that, like uh, uh, an artist and a writer coming together and pitching their, um, they're, they're getting past the, the, you know, it's kind of like American idol, but in a magazine and people vote and say, Hey, this one should keep going. And then so on and so forth. Do you think that would work here? Um, I think 10 years ago it would have worked here. I think uh, it, it would take a lot of groundwork to get to that. It's almost, again, we, we're like in a tiny little bubble that no one really, the, the mainstream doesn't really think about. It's like all the people that watch, that watched Walking Dead, have they ever read a Walking Dead comic? I don't know. Yes. Some have. Yeah, I know. We, I, I, that's, a, that's a thing too. I have my, um, one of my daughter's teachers reads the Walking Dead graphic uh, trade paperbacks. Like, yeah. where do you get them? Orders them online. Go to the freaking comic store. Exactly. I have a walking dead tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, the um, I think something like that could work, but it would have to be built from the ground up. And the, there's a there needs to be a redefinition of what comics are, I think, going forward, um, if we're gonna survive. Uh, I think maybe we need to be looking at like the European model with the graphic albums, you know, the thicker books, or even even um, because again, you look at mangas and in Japan. It's, it's just everywhere. It's like, oh, I got my manga here, and I'm a 45-year-old man. I got mine. I'm a 12-year-old girl. Everybody's got them. Here, no. But yet here, are the, the, the number one films in our country are superhero movies. Yep. You know, it's finding that, that, that transition. If, um, again, unfortunately, Stan Lee was kind of the bridge between comics and, and pop culture or media, regular media. Yep. And without him, I don't know. Because every all the kids I talk to know who Stan Lee is. They know he created Spider-Man. No clue who Jack Kirby is, but whatever. The um, there's not that we need that bridge between you know regular mainstream media and and comics. And we can sit here and philosophize about it all day. I don't I don't know that there isn't there has to be some kind of solution to get it back into the public eye. And I think it's going to take a redefinition. Maybe what we we're talking about. Turn it into some kind of reality, you know, internet reality show. Uh, where, where, because again, I tell you, the kids today, they're not watching, even watching television anymore. My daughter, what 90% of what she watches is on YouTube. Yep. Yep. The greatest stuff. I mean, it's not bad, like it's not pornography or anything, but it's uh, yeah. that's dad. But the, um, it's, it's all these people, you know, doing goofy stuff. You just, the YouTube, oh, yeah. the YouTube generation, 
and they love that stuff. If if that's maybe we need to find a way to tap into that to get the kids on board. Uh, the content needs to be more, more kid friendly in my mind. Um, there's so much. There's so much we can sit here and say that's wrong with the industry, but there's so many great things about it. But all the wrong stuff kind of pushes blocks people from getting to like to, to that. And I, I think I think the idea of doing like a some kind of a, like uh, contest thing, but it would need to be on a national some kind of uh, like like I was saying uh, through YouTube or something to tie video elements into it where, where the kids are to get them into it. That'd be cool. Um, I so Kyle and I actually went to this past weekend um, to get uh, some comics signed by Todd McFarland. Uh, um, and he's that, in Arizona, right? He lives yeah, out there. Yeah. Yep. And that was pretty cool. And I remember when I saw um, Stanley, and I think the second to last time he was here at uh, Phoenix Comic Con, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion. Now um, he was there with uh, with uh, with Todd, and they were on the stage. And I remember sitting down and thinking, I need to sit here and watch this because I don't know when the next opportunity for me to right. do this is going to be. Um, and ever since seeing Todd ask um, Stan those questions that kind of, um, you know, bridge the gap between comic legends and the audience and their fans and kind of say, hey, you ask us questions. Hey, how do you feel about this? Stan, tell us what the, how you got here, so on and so forth. I thought I was like, I think Todd could do that. Todd, I think Todd can do that. There are a bunch of people that can yeah, do that. Herman could as well, yeah. Exactly. And I, I feel like the idea of what you were saying with uh, getting uh, the, bridging the gap, putting this uh, this contest together on the on YouTube or something like that, that would be that would be pretty awesome. I mean, they have they have people having their exes or friends tattoo them. Why can't we have people having contests um, to get famous in comic books? I agree. I agree. I, again, I think if we can just. Like I was saying earlier, the, the 90s, I think, pushed so many people away from comics that uh, it, it's a bridge that needs to be built back. I, I mean, I wish I had the resources to do it myself, but I think a guy like Todd McFarlane or like a Robert Kirkman or uh, Mark Millar, those guys have the clout on both sides, the, the media and the, and the comics, to pull some stuff together. But, you know, they had to be willing to do it. That's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Hey! <laughs> Behold the internet. <laughs> That's a thing too. I had to build my own website. That was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, That's probably being small press. You do most of the work yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I know I'll, I know a little bit about that. <laughs> But again, I would recommend Kickstarter. He's asked before. I think this kind of spun out of that, asking if Kickstarter is the way to go. Um, I think crowdfunding um, to get started, most definitely, because it takes money to do anything. You know, it takes money to buy a website. You know, I, I get, get, get that bill every two years, and um, then Facebook advertising is a cost now. You know, there's there's so many little costs that kind of come into it. Like we had to get a PO box to uh, so my business address isn't my home address because. I don't want weirdos stopping by the house. The um, and so these are little costs that kind of come into it. You got you have to, and the kickstarters when you at the beginning most definitely would help you, you know, get over that hurdle because it was all out of my pocket. Luckily, I had that good job as I, in IT at the law firm. So yeah, which I since gave up, 
I can make a mint in comics, I tell you. Comics is where the money is. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I don't spend more than I actually make. Yeah. But that's the thing, too. A lot of the guys who make comics or who buy comics also want to make comics. We got to find those people that just want to buy them to read them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you guys have any other questions for, for Martin before we let him go? No, man. You, okay, cool. All right. Oh, you were, hope that was too easy. Kind of interesting. I don't know. It definitely was. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. I know it's it's late there, so we'll we'll let you go. But I want to thank you for stopping in and, and talking to us tonight about about Cosmic Times and everyone. Uh, I've got the link on the screen, and we'll put it in our description below. Uh, make sure so. to check out Comics Times and uh, pick up some creator-owned books and. Uh, Get out there and let's spread the word and keep comics growing. Like you said, awesome. comics are right. <laughs> You got to get those defibrillators going. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for Thank coming you. on. Of course. You yeah. have to keep us updated from time to time. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll let you know if the Kickstarter succeeds. How's that? That's <laughs> update. There you go. There you go. Thanks so much. Thank have you. Good night. Thank good you. Night. Good night. Good night. Bye.